had to wait to say good morning because I knew it was my fault if you couldn't hear me, so I wanted to stop that. Good morning. I'm glad that you are here this morning as we jump back into the book of Romans today. Um, as we start walking through over the next five weeks, Romans chapter 5 through chapter 8. And this is the, the heart, I would say, of the book of Romans. It really is where things come together and really focus on salvation, understanding that working of God. Paul starts tearing things apart a lot in this area, and so we're going to do the same. But before we jump into that, I, I want to give you a picture of where we're going because I, I heard a, a, an explanation, a simple explanation of someone over the last few weeks about these five verses and how it really talks about two things when it comes to us and the Lord. One is our standing with the Lord and one is our state with the Lord. And those are things that are pretty easy to confuse and so I thought I would give you a picture of it. Um, I got to go to uh, Lowe's this week or Home Depot or somewhere and I bought this plant. Um, we liked the flowers on it. We just thought it was pretty. Christy had to approve it just in case it survived the sermon today. That it would have life later on and and I went ahead and I, I just removed all of the the good dirt from it and so do you know if I were to leave this just out on the side of the walk right now if I were to just put it in the grass right now if I were to leave it in here you know just even on the stage what would be its outcome death yeah like certain death you know what I mean it wouldn't be like well it might connect to the wood on the stage no it's going to die because it doesn't have anything on its foundation, it's grounding. But, but what we do is if we take this, and some of you who are really great planners, you can kind of tell, help me know how to do this. We dig it and we put it in good soil. And we plant it and we water it. And all of a sudden, it has a really great chance of life. In fact, this is the only chance of life it has. So when you and I talk about standing and state before God, this is what I want you to know, is in Christ, your standing is what you're planted in, right? Your state is what you do where you're standing. So today what we're talking about how was once we're planted and our standing is in Christ Jesus, that that doesn't change. Once you are saved, once you are planted in the grace of God, your standing before God never changes. You and I were made in the image of God, but we are only made children of God through Jesus Christ. Our standing changes. Now, as a Christian, just like a plant, the dirt doesn't make the plant accept it. I, when I water it this week, the, the water that I put in won't make the plant accept it. The roots have to respond to the nutrients in the dirt. They have to respond to the water, or it's going to not flower, it's not going to grow, it's going to have weak points, it's going to be thin. Its standing won't change, it'll always stay in the dirt. But whether it produces much fruit and has an amazing life, or whether it withers and fails, well, that state it's really going to be more dependent on how this, this flower accepts those things. Well, you and I in Christ, we have a standing before him, which is certain in Christ. It's permanent. But you have a state which is growing or it's shrinking back. And, and that's the experience that often makes us wonder, 
are we really saved is our salvation secure and and it was a big topic in the life of paul and it's a big topic for us today is what does it look like what does it mean for you and i to be certain of our situation our standing before god i want you to read with me romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 as we start looking at our standing before god with paul this is what scripture says therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god what's pretty interesting about this passage is it it has a lot of different angles to it. it has a lot of different root lines that we're going to follow today but the first one i want you to talk about or i want you to know about is the audience and this is really important so that we don't miss scripture or take it out of context or or unintentionally apply it to us if it doesn't apply so first of all go back to the verse um, one in your bible it says therefore since Okay, what Paul's writing here is one long letter. Now, we just took about a a six-week break between chapter 1 through 4 and today. But Paul didn't take six weeks between his last paragraph and this first paragraph. There's this continual thought. And so I want to take you back a little bit to where we've been. I don't know if you remember this drawing in our first series. What we talked about in chapter 1 is that God made us. To dwell with him in his land I'll make sure that gets a little bigger for us where he is and we were made for a good dwelling place with God in fact he reveals it to, to us he makes himself known to us so that no one is without excuse but sin in sin we drifted Do you remember we talked about this how in sin we drifted from God and all of a sudden we find ourselves pulling away from him we find ourselves avoiding him we find ourselves just just on this path that takes us here and eventually what we talked about is it makes us narrow-minded right in other words it stops us from seeing the big picture and really starts focusing our life based on what we want to see what we want to think or what we want to value we start approving things and giving approval to things that don't deserve approval but but we don't want to see the big picture because we have drifted far from god and eventually we find ourselves standing on a land pretending with other people that we're still with God even though we've been separated by sin and by life and that's where verses our chapter 1 2 really start to lean into but then chapter 3 and 4 talk to us that Jesus made a way back from our separation from God to our place with God in other words he made a way for us to have a right standing with God but it's not a way that he forced upon us but instead by faith we had to believe in him to accept him and to make him Lord all right and so when it gets that point what Paul is talking to and who Paul is talking to is you and me if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior he is saying I'm talking to you because we're going to talk about how you're planted with God and because of the work of Christ that can't be separated so when we read chapter 5 verse 1 through 5 and then beyond he is talking to you specifically church but if you are not a Christian 
if you came today not knowing the truth of Christ, if you came today knowing maybe that you've drifted from God but not accepting the way, it doesn't mean that this passage is worthless for us. In fact, I would tell you the opposite. It, it, it's almost like saying before you open your present, you get to look and see what's in the present of the person who got the exact same thing that's waiting for you. So you can know and get excited about it, right? And the illustration is this. We, we are now to the age where grandparents at, at Christmas time often give envelopes that have green stuff in them. Y'all know what that is? And so when our kids open them, when one opens it, do you know what the other person's doing? They're excited. Do you know why? Because grandparents are fair. So if there's multiple things in that one, there's going to be multiple things in mine. That's what we're talking about today, is I want you to see what God has planned for those who faith in Jesus Christ have a right standing with Him. And then I would encourage you to let the Lord let that truth sink into your life and sniff it out. So let's go back to verse 1, and I'll put it up here so you can see it with all of my, my stuff in there. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, since, okay, he's talking to Christians because all these things, we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, a pretty amazing idea here in this, this uh, moving here. And it starts by this, since we now know he's talking to Christians, and this is something that has been done, he brings in this word justified and faith. And if we don't understand it, we'll find ourselves wondering if we can be so bad that God could reject us again. If there's a way that we could, since we grabbed hold of salvation, if there's a way that we could let it go. This verse starts really unpacking the reality of how that's not at all in Scripture. If you look into Scripture, it's very clear. If you just listen to people talk about Scripture, it is not very clear. And so we need to look into it. So Paul starts off, and he says this word, justified. And, and we use this word more in a, in a legal sense more than anything else. But I want to look at it two ways today. The first thing I want to look at is the tense of the word, right? What we say is, ED means past tense to us. But in, in Scripture, in this Greek word, it's much more than that. It, it means this. It means the work is already done it's already accomplished it's not past in greek it's what would be called as passive and what it means is something that has already done its work okay it doesn't mean it's past it's behind you it just means that that thing has been done it's been completed it, it's already happened right and, and it's not just a part of your history it's a part of you because it has done what it's supposed to do and so what Scripture says here is, therefore, since you and I have been justified, we start to find out that that means that you and I have been made just, which means we have been cleared of all charges. In Jesus Christ, you have been cleared of all charges, all the sins that you have done. When you follow Christ Jesus, and I'm going back here, right? When you and I accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we follow Him, that means a work has been done and we have been cleared of all charges. And, and that's really the only way that we can find ourselves going from this residence of fictitious security to dwelling with God in a place of real security. It, it's that place between um, that justness defines the difference between death and life. 
I, I thought about it this way when I was thinking about how to explain it. I've never been in a courtroom on the wrong side of the table, right? I've been on juries before. We've been a part of those things. But the person who is sitting at the defendant's desk, desk excuse me, um, in a trial that is a criminal trial is in a limbo spot. They aren't free to dwell with people the way that society has said is the right way to dwell, freely and walking around, coming to church, going out to eat. But they aren't quite in prison yet, right? Well, let me, let me tell you something. When you and I walk around outside of Christ, we are at that defendant's desk. We are guilty, but the judgment, the final judgment has not been passed yet. So you are dead and unable to rescue yourself, but judgment is coming. What Paul says is, that's true for all of us, but therefore, since we have been justified, in other words, he's saying we have been cleared of all charges. We no longer have a seat at that desk, and we can, we can walk in the realm that we were made to walk in. We have the freedom to live for and with Christ and so what we need to know, when Jesus says it is finished on the cross, he doesn't need to die again and die again and die again, and every time you sin, he dies again and he dies again. That's not true. Jesus died once and for all. And, and you and I in Christ Jesus, our charges have been dropped, but they have been dropped by faith. They haven't been dropped because you were good. It hasn't been dropped because your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds. It didn't, didn't drop because you were brilliant and solved the puzzle. Our, our charges have been dropped because of what Christ did and our faith in that. We, we talk a lot about faith. Um, if you've ever driven with, with me in the mountains, that would be faith. You would have to put your confidence in me. But I would tell you, if you've ever driven that way, you don't put your full confidence in me because we have an oh my handle in my car, right? It's like, oh my, here comes pastor, right? When you grip that, I know you don't have full faith in me. This is my backup plan, amen, right? I don't understand why the driver's side has that sometimes. That's a different, <laughs> if you're driving that and you put the oh my handle on, it's a bad day. But, but faith means to put your full confidence in to put your full confidence. It doesn't mean that, that this, it doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship. It doesn't mean that you don't interact with. Faith means you put your full confidence in. What scripture says is this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, what it means is if you have put your full confidence in the work and the person and the power of Jesus Christ, then you have been cleared of all charges. That's what it means. It, it, it doesn't need to go beyond that. It doesn't need to stop short of that. If, if you are hoping in Jesus, but you have a few extra eggs in a basket, or your hand is on the oh my handle, that's not putting your full confidence in Christ Jesus. What faith is saying, when it comes to my life, with my eternity, and my future, all of my eggs are in your basket. I, I count everything as loss for your sake. Everything I've ever earned, it's filthy rags. My full confidence is in you. Church, we 
try to put our full confidence in people a lot and even in our spouses, but the reality is there is no one that is perfect that is in this room or that's married to anyone in this room. You need to put your trust in them. You need to love them. But there's only one worthy of our full confidence, and that's Jesus Christ. And what makes him worthy is his life, death, resurrection, person, power. And so if you want to know if you have a right standing or how this whole thing starts, it starts with faith. Putting your full confidence in Jesus Christ. Because what Paul says is, this is the only way that you and I can have peace with God. See, what sin does is it makes us an object of wrath. If you don't believe me, just when you leave here, cut eight cars off for fun. Right? You know what that makes you? An object of wrath. Am I right? Right? I'm just, I'm just saying I mean, just, you can just try if you think don't. I mean, it's a bad idea because you get it. But sin makes you an object of wrath. God loved us while we were sinners, but we were still subject to his judgment, to his discipline, and to his wrath. But through Jesus Christ, putting our full confidence in him, we can be cleared of all charges and have peace with God. And peace with God doesn't mean a truce. It means a full surrender of your whole life to dwell in his presence again. Peace is not something you have in the morning until the alarm goes off. Peace isn't something that you have until your next door neighbor starts playing bass guitar at 10 o'clock at night. That's not what peace is. The word peace means a state of being. You see, church, if you want to live and dwell in a state of life and peace with God, then it only happens if you have a cleared, clean slate before him. And that only happens through fully committing to Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says. Like if you, if you weren't sure how it happened, this is how it breaks apart. This is how it pulls into place. But that's not all. Look at verse two in your Bible. The Bible says it this way. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What I love about this is, before we get into this, Paul says, if you haven't figured it out yet, that Jesus Christ gives you a certain full and eternal security with God. And I want to let you know the benefits of that. What happens when your standing is secure, everlasting before God? He says, if you didn't get it the first time around, hear it one more time. It is through him. It's through him that we have obtained access by faith into this grace. I, I think this is a big word for us. I don't know about you, um, but I, I love this idea of attaining access. I was listening to a Tony Evans sermon one time, and it was a beautiful thing. He was uh, the chaplain of the Dallas Mavericks at the time, and he was letting someone in a special door in the back. And right before he got to the door, um, this one little light's on. There's a guy standing there. He turned around and he said, I want to let you know we're about to go into this door. And there's only one reason that you're getting through this door. And that's me. And I 
thought, man, what a great illustration. I think sometimes you and I think we obtain access by the things that we do, how we do them, what we learn, where we go, what we say. That has nothing to do with your standing before God. This plant had no power over putting itself into the good soil. We could not have willed it. It could not have wanted it enough. Its roots could have strained and grown, but it couldn't do it. I had to do it. And so it obtained access to life and a life of standing, but not by its own power, but by mine. And it's not just obtained access as in a viewing gallery. The word access means an introduction. It means that you're brought in, that you're a part of that community with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, the beauty about Jesus Christ is that he doesn't just wipe away our sins and keep us from being an object of wrath, but he also lets us walk in the door and be a part of God's family. See, that's what this obtained access really comes to. And again, how does it happen? By faith, putting your full confidence in Christ Jesus. In my home, and you know it, my daughter is engaged. We're planning a wedding for next summer. And, and as we're doing these things, I'm noticing something happen on my phone. I'm texting around, and I don't know about your phone. Do you have like little groups at the top of your text message that you can kind of quick hit? I, I have those on my phone. You only get six or nine or however many. I need like 14, I feel like. And so I noticed I needed another group that included this young man. And so with weeping and gnashing of teeth, not really. I just created a group. My group has always been we are family, Connor, Ashley, Christy, and me. But now I have another group next to it because we're not family yet. <laughs> called Our Clan. And Alex's name, I was happy to put it in there. He wants to be a part of our clan. He's excited to be a part of our clan. But do you know the person in charge of putting him in the Our Clan bubble on my phone? Me. Do you think he could do that on his own? No. He had to be confident that I would accept him. And so he put all his eggs in the basket. And before he ever talked to me, he said, I believe this is the girl that God is calling me to marry and the Lord's affirming that through her. And so they brought it before me. Church, through Jesus, we have obtained access, but only by putting your full confidence in him. And then Paul starts using some words that are a little different for us and I, I love them. He says, through, by faith, into his grace, in which we stand. And what I love about this as we kind of pull it in together is that grace looks different in this passage. Normally we think of grace flowing down, don't we? We think about the grace of God we experience every day. We think of it as something that's coming and continually coming to us. But the picture here is that you and I in Christ, the soil that we stand on, that's grace. That your life 
is rooted in grace. It's not just receiving God's grace, it's rooted in it. Why does that matter? Because if your standing is, is standing and solid on anything but grace, then it is subject to loss. Because grace is God's free and undeserved gift of goodwill to you and to me through Jesus Christ because we have our full confidence in him. And so if you and I are rooted in grace, then nothing can separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus. You can never lose your salvation. You can never work your way out because that would mean that this foundation wasn't grace. It would mean it's not God's goodwill. It would mean it was your reward. It would mean it was something you earned. And for you to believe that, you would have to disbelieve Scripture. And if you disbelieve Scripture, we've got other issues going on. Because God wants it to be clear. He wants you to know that this is the life He has planned for you. Rooted in grace, and at times receiving that lavishing of grace. He says, this gray access that you've obtained and the grace in which you stand, that they started at one point and they continue forever. I, I don't love dropping a lot of Greek stuff in here, mainly because I have to read it most of the time to let you know what it means. But the way that those words are written is just a perfect tense. In other words, it had a definite point at some time in your history and it's continuing to work right now. Here's what that means. The access that you have to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through Jesus Christ started at one point in history. It has not always been with you. It has not always been around. You weren't born with it. It happened when you put your full confidence in Jesus Christ, the person, the power, the presence, the life and the death of who he was. And in that moment... You obtained access that doesn't stop. It's still happening. That's why your prayers go straight to the Lord and not through any other angle or person. But it's also the grace in which you stand is perfect. There was a point in time like the plant that you were outside of being planted in the grace of God. But at one point in time, because of your full confidence in Christ Jesus, God took you out of that, he planted in you in that, and you're still standing. If you had a rough week, you're still standing. If you've been a prodigal and you accepted Jesus Christ, I want to let you know you do not lose your faith, your salvation, if you put your full confidence in him for it. Church, if there's nothing else that you and I see today, what I want you to know is that your standing is secure because it's secured through Jesus Christ. And that's not true for all of creation, but only those who put your full confidence in him. That's what Paul says. And then he changes his tone a little bit in his tone-changing um, move here. He says, and so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
Now, and I like this, and we'll start with rejoice, and we'll unpack what it means in a minute. But when he says, I rejoice of this, all of these, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What he's saying is, your reason for being excited isn't that God has cleared your plate. That's awesome. But you know that God is doing something new, and it hasn't stopped yet, and it won't stop until it's perfect. So the working and the standing of grace you have before God is thankful for what he's done, but is excited about what he's doing. You see, that's what salvation stirs. That's what life defines in Jesus Christ. And I, I love this. We, we laugh about it. I didn't really know this until Scott and I traveled in May, but now I make this joke a lot to test it out, and it's really true. Americans are loud, right? If you go anywhere else in the world, I mean, what everyone else says is, if someone is loud, they're American. That's just how it works. We, we don't think we're loud. I mean, I think I'm loud, but you know. But here's the great thing. It's biblical. Come on. Do you know what the word rejoice is translated really nicely here, like happy and whatnot? It's a word that Paul uses all the time. And in most places, it's translated a different word. It's translated boast. Do you know what boast means? Literally, speak loud. That's right, rest of the world. Speak loud. Th that's what it means. It means this, through Jesus Christ, we have standing on the grace of God all the time, every day of their life. And because of that, don't stop speaking about it. Don't be silent. Get excited. I mean, church, we know how to do that when the Astros are playing. If you don't know, watch with my son. We know how to get excited. What Paul says is, you have been planted out of death into life on the grace of God, through the power of God, because of the life of Christ. And all you had to do was put your full confidence in Him. So get loud about the glory of God. Church, boast in that. I don't care how your stock did last month. I don't even know what a big engine looks like versus a... I don't, I don't know. We boast about garbage. Do you boast about the hope of the glory of God that has been given to you, promised to you, and guaranteed to you? Is that what your children know you love more than anything else in the world? Is that what your friends know? Because that's what Scripture commands it to you. So if you go overseas and you're loud... It better be for this. Because you are called to have something to get loud about, to boast about. And you can't lose it because you didn't earn it. And when we look at that passage this way, verse 3, verse 4, and verse 5 take on a completely different life. These are those weird verses because it points to something we often find ourselves wondering if our state is right. But it really is based on our standing. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings 
knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Come on, church. Now listen, have you ever read this passage and you thought, not only that, do we rejoice in our sufferings? I, just, just so that you'll know, if you've ever read this and thought, I must not be a Christian because I'm not excited when people make me suffer. Right? I think people have read this through time where we can look at their history and scripture and saying, well, I want to suffer. So let me go seek out suffering. That, that's not what scripture is saying. Suffering is not discipline of the almighty God because of your sin. That's not suffering. That's discipline. When you sin and you are suffering, it's called discipline because you deserve it. But when you suffer because you have put your full confidence in Christ Jesus, well, that's a different story. And this is where the world changed for me when I realized that this was the same word. Not only that, but we boast in our suffering. The difference is this. If someone is attacking your family because you're trying to chase after Jesus or because your kids won't go along with it, rejoicing means I should be happy about that. Boasting means bring it. You want to make me suffer for being connected to Jesus Christ, you bring it. You, you want to be in charge and you want to access and see how my finances work because I trust Jesus Christ and you want to tell me all the things I could have if I didn't trust Jesus Christ, bring it. You want me to, to change up my marriage covenant with my wife? You want to attack us because I'm unwilling to, to walk into that world of sin and pretend that these worldly things can add value to my life? Bring it. Because when you bring an attack, when you bring suffering to me because I am following in full confidence Jesus Christ, then I get to see God at work. So although I'm not excited, I can get excited. Because we know that suffering produces endurance. The more a tree grows, I don't know if you've seen around here when hurricanes come, as the, the, the dirt moves around, you start to see the strength of the roots of a tree. You start to see how much life is underneath the soil. You start to see that God has been at work even when I wasn't sure. You start to see that the weakness that you have, have known that you are in Christ has really produced strength that will help you endure to the end I mean that that endurance that suffering produces it tells a story about us doesn't it I, I mean I know post-covid we don't shake hands as much but guys have you ever shook the hand of another man and it just felt like it was leather and there's a story there that hand has gone through some trials and now, if it goes through more trials, it's prepared to handle the heat. What Scripture says is that when, when suffering comes upon you, 
because of your full confidence in Jesus Christ, you can be certain that it will produce endurance in you. And the Bible goes on and says, from there, endurance produces character, character produces hope. The word character is exclusive to Paul. It's not used in literature before Paul uses it. And Paul uses it this way. He uses it as maturity. Maturity in faith. In other words, when you suffer and you endure, the thing you can boast is, is that as I endure through this, I know, God, you're going to make me more mature in this. Do you want to know if your marriage is strong? Wait till you go through a trial together. Do you want to know if you're committed to the job that you took? Wait till it gets hard. Do you want to know if, if, you can, if you can do this parenting thing? Just wait. And as you walk through those stages, you realize, yes. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. And there's a maturity on the backside of that suffering that wasn't there on the front side. So why can you boast? the enemy wants to throw something at my life I'm not saying please do for fun but if you want to bow up enemy let's go bring it you want to take away everything I put my faith in before bring it because I know that that suffering is going to produce endurance and that endurance is going to produce character that maturity in my faith and that maturity in my faith produces hope and hope does not disappoint the word hope here means expectation in other words, when you and I, for the glory of God, walk through sufferings because of his name, at the end, you will have greater expectations of his goodness. And that greatness won't let you down. In verse 5, Paul says it this way. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that Paul ends this piece with a touch of confidence. He, he knows. He knows what suffering's like. He knows what it feels like. No one likes being tested. No one's excited about hard things coming. But you don't have to be one who shrinks back. In fact, you can be one that boasts. I can imagine Peter when he read this may have said I remember that I was on the boat I said Jesus if that's you call me to you and Jesus says well come on when he put Jesus to the test so to speak can I trust you can I put my full confidence in you Jesus made the impossible possible death to life church this morning I don't know what your two cents on salvation has been but here's what I do want you to know is that outside of Jesus Christ you and I are waiting on judgment and we are guilty our roots are dry and our future is not bright but through putting your full confidence in the work of Jesus Christ you could be planted in grace that will never let you go. Grace that you can never break. Grace that you can never abandon. 
so that in your standing in this life before God, when trials come upon you, you can stand your ground. He won't make you. He'll let you shrink back. He'll let you taste a life of low fruit produce. But you don't have to. You can choose to boast in your Savior. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we come to you. Lord, we, we know how to boast. We, we know how to brag. Father God, we know that those boastings are, are based on brokenness. We know our favorite team can kill it one night and get killed the next. Or they're wonderful, but they're not worth our confidence. We know the people that we love can be a dream one moment. Lord, and a heavy burden the next. We know we can't boast in them. So Lord, let us boast in the goodness of our Lord. Let us boast in the goodness of God on the life of Jesus and the grace in which we stand. Let us brag that we have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, let us puff out our chest when the enemy comes, not because we have to fight, but because we know you go before us. So, Father, if there's anyone in this room that's been wrestling with the question, am I certainly saved and standing right with God Almighty? Lord, would you let them know if they have put their full confidence in Christ Jesus as their Lord, that you have changed their standing. God, if there is someone in here who has not trusted Jesus with their full confidence for that this morning, God, let them know that they don't have to live a life of fear or concern or worry, but they can live a life that speaks loudly of the glory of God and the hope that is to come all because of what you have done in cleaning our slate and making us right. 